Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 22 of the Pitch to Contact podcast, proudly sponsored by Dallas Keuchel taking a perfect game into the seventh inning. I'm your host, Ben Jones, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, John Kuh. John, is this one of the craziest Twins performances you've seen in a while? I mean, if we're being honest, if he had how many? It was like 36 straight batters, right, that he that he hadn't like struck out anyone. Yeah, um, I think by the time he got one, it was like 42, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's like this this guy has managed to, uh, you know, last, uh, let's be honest, last three games with the Twins and didn't get a strikeout over 42, up to 42 batters, and then uh, all of a sudden, like, yeah, pitches 6.1 perfect innings. Of course everyone yeah. saw this coming. <laughs> well, and he, that's the thing, is he took the perfect game into the seventh. Yep. He still wasn't really getting whiffs. He no. wasn't getting swings and misses. He got three strikeouts in this game. I think they were all called, if I remember correctly. And two of them, I know, were helped very much by a oh, very yep. wide Laz Diaz yep. zone. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah you, he uh, technically got some strikeouts, but it's not like guys are suddenly swinging and missing at if, his stuff. Yeah, if you look at baseball savant, uh, and you look at just like where the called strikes were called, you know, for for all the for every single pitcher in the game. Yeah, literally only Dallas Keuchel was getting that zone. Like, really? <laughs> I think I think out of all the relievers the Twins had, only one pitcher had like a called strike outside the zone in kind of the same location that Dallas was getting, and he was like getting like a full, basically like three inches. Yeah, right. Uh, on the on the right side of the plate from the perspective of the batter. Yeah. And I think one pitch from the pirates was like a called strike in that area. So literally, literally Diaz like was calling that strike zone for Keuchel and no one else, which I thought was hilarious. That is very funny. Maybe they had a secret agreement beforehand or yeah, something, yeah. but uh, yeah, help no, me get it a, was, let me get a perfect into the seventh inning and I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get you something nice. <laughs> it was also one of those things where um, you definitely saw it affect Pittsburgh when they were going like so many ground balls, guys are swinging at changeups that were well outside yep. of the zone. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they'd swing at them in any other scenario. At least I think they were change up. They look like change ups on TV. Who knows? Maybe that was actually his fastball, but um, yeah, one of those things where, he was getting the called strikes and it was clearly affecting Pittsburgh and they were getting a lot of weak ground balls because of it. And let me tell you the other thing I noticed in this game, and then we'll move on because we'll get to the actual game later, but Royce Lewis does not have a great arm. (laughs) Um, He has a lot of talents and I'm sure he's going to be good for a long time. And he definitely has like the better getting to the ball instincts than like Mm -hmm. Jorge Polanco does when Polanco's over at third. Right. But the uh, I've been very unimpressed with the strength of the throws. I mean, you're going to say that on the same week that he had that absolute missile from from third uh, in the game. Was it Friday? Uh, that's the thing is absolute missile. I don't think it was really that much of a missile. It just made it look a lot closer because he didn't have a great throw. Uh, that's true. I mean, it, it, if it was off target, I'll say it was off target because yeah. Solano did have to stretch for it. But also, he literally dived to the foul line, got that's up true. and chucked the ball the full length of of the diamond um, listen so that that's about all i'm going to complain about royce lewis <laughs> yeah, because that's fair even bad royce lewis is better defensively than jorge polanco and way better offensively than willie castro or kyle farmer so uh and jose miranda to say nothing of him so we, we've come a long way that's true and i mean if we're being completely honest like uh i would be surprised if royce lewis ends up being the um you know the 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 stalwart at third base yeah for the next let's just say five twin seasons but yeah that's a you know conversation for another day 
Yeah, well, I'll I'll make one other comment, which is Brooks Lee is playing very well and is most likely going to be the Twins' third baseman for the next eight years. Right, so exactly. Um, combine that with Byron Buxton's injury history, and I think you have a pretty clear opening for where Royce Lewis will be in the future. But yeah, I, we're all looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But let's get into the now. What happened this week? Uh, we'll be going over the Tigers and Pirates series. But first, a quick reminder: uh, you can follow us on Twitter temporarily. For now, we keep saying, but for now, you can follow us on Twitter at Twins Talk Pod. Uh, then make sure you can still uh, subscribe, follow the podcast wherever you get them: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, and please leave us a five star review if you're enjoying what you're hearing. Uh, but let's get into this week. So the Twins went three and two. They split a two-game series with the Tigers, and then they won two out of three from the Pirates. They are currently sixty-five and sixty on the season, first in the AL Central, and a season-high six games above Cleveland. While the Twins have not been playing great the last couple weeks, uh, they've been playing decent, well enough, and the Guardians have been playing pretty terribly, honestly. Uh, they, they've really kind of squandered a chance to gain some ground in the Central, and it's not locked up yet but it's looking like it's getting there the guardians are significantly closer to the third place tigers and the first place twins at this point and uh if you're wondering on a magic number if you want to get started early it's 32 so it's not small but i mean 32 that's basically what a, a month you could probably uh block that up ideally so yeah uh, magic number again combined Twins wins and Cleveland losses, or if the Tigers eventually jump over the Guardians, uh, Tigers losses. And I think the Twins' current playoff chances stand at like 95%, somewhere around there, depending on which uh, playoff simulator you're looking at, uh, basically due to the fact that nobody wants to even play competent baseball besides the Twins. So... Uh, we're saying the twins are playing competent baseball they're 65 and 60 that's, <laughs> okay okay that's, yeah, I'll listen this isn't like they're hovering around 500 <laughs> anymore they've been like five or six games above 500 pretty consistently yeah they're holding true. up there and so um I, th- I think that'll be tested a little bit more this next week yeah but either way i think the twins have to be feeling pretty good which i think will play into some of the stuff we're going to talk about towards the end of this podcast right so. one of the things i love looking is how many teams do we have a better record than in the al central and currently it's one so uh that's more <laughs> than it's been for the majority of the season so yeah, the uh, the we'll al east it. right the al east yeah that's correct yeah uh, they're they're the only team with a positive run differential in the central, yep. right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Cleveland was at zero last last week, remember? And then now yep. they're at negative five. So, yeah, it's uh, I I think we could have seen this coming with Cleveland. They're relying so much on their rookie starting pitchers, who both are reaching their uh, innings pitched yep. maxes from previous years, and just you know they they're new guys are figuring them out a little bit more, and then just. Besides Jose Ramirez and Josh Naylor, there's not anything else. Nothing else has really emerged besides those two. So mm-hmm. yeah. we'll, we'll get to see him up close and personal in two weeks when the Twins play him again. Right. And that yeah, we've got, what, six more games, I believe? Um, yeah. Against it's, uh, Cleveland. Yeah, I think next week they play them in a three-game set. That There's a series in the middle, and yep. then they play them again, and that's it for the year. Right. So we could technically lose all those games. <laughs> and as long as we still have a better record than Cleveland – with the remaining games, obviously we still win the division. So yeah, that's a big, that's a big ask, but you know, it's, it's nice to have a little bit of a, a little bit of a cushion now yeah. compared to like the two and a half game leads we were having like two weeks ago. I, I think if you're taking a vibe check on the teams, right, the twins, I think are feeling pretty good. There's a lot of good vibes. And I think playing the tigers and pirates definitely helps with that. 
But again, the Twins still have the fifth easiest schedule the rest of the way. They have a hard week this week, and that's kind of their last tough stretch uh, really for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the hardest games probably at this point are seven games remaining against the Rangers. Yep. We do have a three-game set against the Rays, but they're just slowly imploding right now. So, yeah, I don't know if we want to talk about Wander Franco, but (laughs) that's a a rough situation. Yeah. And then at first, the Angels series was looking to be somewhat somewhat competitive. (laughs) And then that team has decided that... um, no, we're going to continue being a slightly incompetent. So we're we're going to call up our draft pick that we drafted. And this isn't a pitcher like you see a couple times. This yeah. is a first baseman that we drafted six weeks ago and is leading off for us now. Dude, so. shout out to Sean Charlie Sean, although he actually kind of looked good in his first game. So I didn't watch it at all. I here's the thing. One last thing on the Angels, and then we'll actually get into the games. <laughs> but one of these days, these crazy aggressive call-ups that they have is going to come back to bite them it oh, worked sure. out okay with Neto. it's actually worked out pretty great with Neto. except he got considered. hurt yeah <laughs> yeah ben joyce it worked out all right before he got hurt again yep. but that's one where it's like whether he's pitching in the majors or triple a he's probably getting hurt in that scenario just mm-hmm. with the type of pitcher that he is um we'll see with shawnel shawnuel however you say it um but they're, they're throwing everything at the wall to try to get something to convince Otani to stay, which makes sense when your whole team and all of your money basically resolves, revolves around one player like that. Mm-hmm. You, you make some desperate moves. So Yeah, I mean, they're kind of like almost twins-esque in the fact that they spent a lot of money on kind of players that were either injured or not that great. I mean, they have a lot of money put into... Um, uh, uh, shoot, what's the third baseman's name? Rendon. Rendon, who, yep. let's just be honest, like hasn't really played that many games for the Angels. And when he has played, hasn't been very good. <laughs> yeah, they put a lot of money into David Fletcher, who is like a perennial nine-hole hitter, and I believe they actually DFA'd him this year. Yeah, they DFA'd him earlier this year, and then yeah. re-added him to the roster because so many guys got hurt. Yeah, like, uh, like they signed him to like a big like five-year contract as well. Um, And knowing basically that his only... Uh, contribution to the team was defense and so obviously now now he's not even good at that um and of course mike trout who you can't blame him for spending all that money on mike trout but it's kind of unfortunate that he's been dealing with injury stuff as well and so yeah that's it's kind of the the risk of big contracts sometimes it just doesn't work out but um yeah it'll it's definitely similar. I think the Trout contract is very similar to the Maurer contract for the mm-hmm, Twins, right? Sure. Where it doesn't really matter what happens at this point. You had to sign him to something like that. If yeah. Mike Trout walks, like it's just you know, you were the Def team Con that won for your Trout franchise. Walk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and same same thing for the Twins with Maurer, where it's like yeah. you know, the first couple of years of those deal were fine. They knew on the back end it wasn't going to be good, especially mm-hmm. with the injuries and everything. But yep. the Minnesota kid, you couldn't let him go to the Yankees, right? And yeah, so you exactly. had to give him the money. Yep. Anyway, enough about uh, good old Joey Joe. Let's get into this week. Let's start with the Tiger series. Yeah, so just a short two-game series. But, I mean, if we're being honest, the Tigers um, have been a problem for the Twins, as we mentioned last Weirdly, week. still. Yeah, they had uh, they had secured the season series, but we had one more series to play, basically. Uh, and so we started out game one actually positive with a 5-3 win. Bailey Ober uh, was the starting pitcher in this one. Five innings, four hits, two in runs, three walks, and six strikeouts. Somewhat back on track here. Uh, he did have a pretty poor start the last time he was up, if you remember. Uh, the three walks actually weren't that much of an issue because uh, on two of those, the count was three and two, and he threw a high fastball that was just a bit above the zone. And usually those you know high fastballs generate whiffs, and that's kind of what he's going for. 
Um, sure, if he brought them three inches lower, they would have been, you know, strikes or something like that. But they also could have been taken for hits. So, um, honestly, I, I wasn't too concerned about that thing. Usually, when you see three walks, you don't like to see it. But I think with Ober's approach, it it kind of worked out. Um, what was interesting was that the Twins pulled him early at 87 pitches, despite only going five innings. But I think probably a coupling with like the rest day on Monday, another rest day on Thursday, they felt good about letting the bullpen work a bit. Also, we mentioned this last week, but Ober has is now throwing the most innings in his career this season. And so they obviously want to give him a little bit more rest, see how he responds to, you know, throwing basically the most the most pitches he's ever thrown in a season. Um, and how they're going to deal with rest. There's been some interesting comments, too, uh, revolving around the Dallas Keuchel start and what the Twins are going to do when Joe Ryan comes back. Well, we'll cover that a little bit later. But, um, yeah, Ober, honestly, just a solid outing from him. And uh, I think it's interesting that, yeah, they pulled him at 87 pitches. Yeah, I think pretty much everyone in the rotation other than Pablo Lopez could just do with some extra rest, right? I I think Pablo's pitching really well, and he's been in the big leagues for a long time and thrown a good amount of innings. Uh, You know, everybody else, Kenta is coming off of Tommy John surgery. Bailey Ober hasn't thrown this many innings before. Joe Ryan hasn't thrown this many innings before. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sonny Gray has a pretty lengthy injury history and is completely incompetent after the fifth inning. So um, I think everybody would probably benefit from staying away from 100 pitches, at least as we get towards the end of the season. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're thinking more towards the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Like, again, that magic number is pretty huge. But like you said, it's also what a 95% chance that they make the playoffs. They have the third best playoff odds in all of baseball. Right. So you kind of have to start setting up your team for, hey, we might be playing a few more games this season. What can we do to save our pitchers? Yep. Uh, moving on to bats, I mean, the, the real notable one about this was pretty much the legend of Matt Walner. Uh, it's growing even more. The local Minnesota kid uh, gets a grand slam in the sixth inning. So uh, shout out to him. Uh, it was kind of cool to see the response from the fans, giving him the curtain call. And um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't want to get the hyperbole here, but I would... I would love it if he was our, our starting left fielder for the next 10 years, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see if that happens. Um, the other noble thing was that this was Royce Lewis's first game back after dealing with an oblique injury. Uh, he was out for six weeks, um, was crushing it in triple A on his rehab assignment. So of course in triple Royce Lewis fashion, he actually started out the offense of the sixth inning with an RBI single. Uh, and he looks as good as ever at the plate pretty much. Yeah, this first game was definitely really good for Royce. Uh, Later in the week, we kind of saw the bad parts of Royce Lewis with Mm -hmm. uh, lots of strikeouts, not making a lot of contact. But um, he's proven at this point, even though he's played very limited games in AAA, he doesn't need to be down there, right? Right. And so he's kind of at the point now in his career where he's going to play, he's going to be starting every day, uh, you know, days off here and there. But there's no reason for him not to be playing with the Twins, especially since overall, even with those bad games, his numbers are pretty freaking great. Yeah. I think his OPS is like somewhere in the 800s. So. Yeah. He's still, at, at the end of the day, the big thing for him is, you know, long term, is he going to start taking walks, right? It's very similar to Buxton early on. I think Buxton had a year where he took like three walks the entire year uh, early on. And so it's going to be the exact same thing, right? Where mm-hmm. if he can get up to like a league average walk rate, all the other tools are going to combine to be a very good hitter. But until then, there's going to be a lot of swing and miss. Yeah. Uh, looking at the relievers in this one, uh, the only noble thing here was uh, uh, Yon Duran gave up a homer. The Torkelson in the ninth made it a little interesting. And, of course, I think every Twins fan was like, oh, great, here come the Tigers again. 
Um, but he did shut it down afterwards. Uh, but it's kind of been, you know, we've mentioned this in the in the past, but it's it's kind of a string of just not ideal performances from Duran. Yeah. His numbers, again, are a bit worse than last year. A 2.83 ERA versus 1.86, 1.15 whip versus 0.98. That all being said, though, reliever stats are weird because, you know, they only throw, you know, well, Duran's only at 45 innings this year, and he pitched 60-ish last year. So it's, you know, in terms of sample sizes, it's still kind of small. Uh, if we just look at counting stats, though, in fewer innings this year, he has given up more runs and walked more batters. So that is a little worrying, um, but he hasn't necessarily hit like a max workload yet. He's still at yeah. less innings than last year. Uh, but that is just something to watch out for. And yeah, he is human. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Duran is if you're watching him on TV or in the ballpark, the curveball is kind of a good tell on if he's going to have it that day right Mm -hmm. um the days where he hasn't looked very good aka the last two or three weeks it's been because that curveball is either just sitting right down the middle or it's non-competitive breaking too early hitting the ground and everything and Mm -hmm. it's allowing the hitters to just sit on his fastball and if you don't have a lot of threat with your secondary pitches even if your fastball is 101 102 103 it's still going to get hammered and that's been the issue and so uh, th- there's a lot that kind of rides on that curveball and making sure that you know he has that command. And while he has, you know, he's not really running up the innings. I think we've seen him used in you know a lot of two inning appearances or coming out of the All Star break, used three games in a row uh, in Oakland. Right, that's kind of the usage that he's never really had before. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of thing where I still get frustrated about the Twins not picking up another reliever at the deadline because. Right. Now you're using, again, Duran three innings in a row in Oakland, and you know you never know what's going to kind of set a pitcher off on a bad stretch. Mm-hmm. And it would have been nice to not have to use him in that scenario. Exactly. Yeah, it's one of those weird things where it's like you want to use him, but you don't want to use him too much. Yeah, so. uh, especially where, you know, I, I think a lot is given to him last year for how good he was, and he was very good. But before that, he was hurt. He hadn't thrown very many innings at all. I think he threw like – like 10 innings at double a the year before uh, he made his debut and had pitched, I don't think at all at triple a. And so he was moved to the bullpen because he couldn't stay healthy essentially. Yeah. And so it's not like he has this clean spotless track record. He does since moving to the bullpen, but you never know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Well, moving on to game two of this two game series, uh, this ended up being an eight, seven loss. Kentameda was a starter with four innings, seven hits, three and runs, one walk and six strikeouts. Um, kind of the first real hiccup we've seen from Kenta since his return from the IL. Uh, he gave up two back-to-back homers to Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson. Torkelson was actually pretty bad because Maheda just threw a curveball middle-middle on a 0-0 count. Uh, usually you do that because you want to steal a strike. You know, you don't sometimes just there's just some batters that don't swing at the first pitch. So you, know, you throw a curveball, they're like, oh, that's a fastball outside the zone. Um, but in this one, Torque, being the hitter that he is, recognized it as a curveball right down the middle, and he hit a 105-mile-an-hour homer 432 feet into the upper deck seats at target field. So that kind of sucked. But that all being said, I mean, he still had six strikeouts and in four innings. Um, the fact that he gave up two homers but only three earned runs kind of shows that the, the hits were you know pretty much spread out throughout the entire outing. Yes, it's not great. But it wasn't like an atrocious, like, oh, he gave up, you know, six runs in three innings or something like that. Yeah, it was not the best, but 
I think still a solid start. I think the biggest thing here was Eddie Julian uh, mm-hmm. breaking out a little bit with the four hit night yep. and, you know, getting a little bit of that confidence he had back earlier in the year where he had been in a rut, he had been hitting like 200 over the last couple of weeks. And so um, seeing him start to put the bat on the ball again was really good to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you, I'm sure you are aware of Ted on Twitter, uh, Twins yeah. Ted. Mm-hmm. Infamously, anything he tweets, you can guarantee the opposite thing is going to happen. <laughs> right before the Torkelson homer, he's like, wow, I didn't realize Torkelson had been this bad. This is kind of sad to see. And then, of course, it's a home run well, against the Twins. So. Torkelson has been bad except when he faces the Twins. Yeah. Because in this game, he had a two-homer game. He had another one later in the, in the day off Jacks. And then in the series literally the week before, he had another two-homer game. Um, so... Yeah, the Torque has been Torque has had not been having a good sophomore season. Let's just let's be honest. But when he's facing the Twins, he's he's figured something out. So he didn't so, have a great rookie season either. He didn't. Yeah, as for a guy who basically was considered the best hitter in college baseball. Yeah, he he was considered ever. one of the guys that was basically going to immediately hit right after yeah, the draft. Pretty much, and uh, he has not. Yeah, um, he he's been showing some signs of life recently. Thanks, I think, in part to the Twins giving him some life. Yeah. Um, but like, th- this is one of those things where it's like Miguel Cabrera hit his second home run of the year in Game One of this series, right? right like, exactly. it's yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, ah, of course, right? That the old forty year old man who has no power anymore suddenly discovers a little bit against the Twins. Yep. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned Eddie Julian and the bats. Uh, the bats actually uh, were facing off against, you know, a good old nemesis, Reese Olsen. Uh, <laughs> that he did actually knock him out early. They got four runs up on him. He left uh, after the second, I believe. Um, but then the Detroit was like, wait a second. This team can't hit lefties. And they had lefty reliever Tyler Holton pitch for 2.1 hitless innings, struck out five innings as well. And I think I was just thinking like, oh, this is just a recipe for disaster in the playoffs where we're going to shell like a, a starter and then they're going to bring in a lefty reliever who can pitch like four innings against us. And it just completely stalls the the twins offense. Yeah. Let me uh, pull up the standings right now. Who, who would the twins face if the playoffs started? Um, because we've talked about this before, but like insert nameless lefty mid tier starter here, would you yeah. be better off uh, just playing them? And I think that, I think it really will depend on the team. Maybe that's something you save for like game two rather than game one. Mm-hmm. But I think either way, it's it's such a weird scenario. So right now they'd be lined up to play Tampa Bay, who uh no, sorry, no, Seattle. They'd play, but, they'd be playing the Blue Jays, I think. See right now I see Seattle as half a game up on the Blue Jays, but most likely oh, yeah, they are. Right. One of Houston, Seattle, or Toronto. Houston, I think, is the nightmare scenario with Fromber Valdez. Um Seattle, nobody really comes to mind. They had Robbie Ray, but he got hurt. Toronto has uh, Kikuchi, I believe, who hasn't yep. been good. But again, who knows? But he's a twins. lefty, right? Yeah. And so it's one of those things where it's so frustrating because it's just this basic competency that for whatever reason they can't do. And I think a lot of that gets fixed if Carlos Correa suddenly decides he can hit again and if Buxton comes back and is swinging a hot bat. Right. But, Honestly, yeah. Man. The dream scenario, in my opinion, and I know we're getting off topic and – we really shouldn't be jinxing the team with, talk, with playoff talk, but I don't <laughs> care. Uh, the dream scenario is that we face the Mariners because all their starters are righties, right? Like, they're all very good righties. They're all very good righties, righties, but they're all righties. And the Twins are at least above league average when it comes to hitting righties, right? Yeah. But like you mentioned, like it's just a nightmare scenario. You face the Blue Jays. They trot out Yusei Kikuchi in game two, 
and he shuts down shuts down the the twins because it's like oh they can't hit lefties right yeah um they've got a a middle they've got a reliever in tim Meza who like frankly isn't very good but he's kind of been a decent holds option in fantasy this year and um he could also just shut down the twins for like two innings it would just be like really stupid yeah. um so yeah it's 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 nice to see them at least uh you know do well against resource and just for all the you know whatever fun hijinks there but then you know tigers bring in relative nobody tyler holton and he holds the the twins to yeah two and a third inning of just hitless baseball so yeah tough. There, there was some nice life in the offense at the end of, end of this game showed a little fight which is always good it seems yeah. like even the losses the twins had this week they they still put themselves in good positions they just mm-hmm. couldn't quite execute to get the runs yeah i mean matt walner almost became the hero second night in a row with um with a fly ball to the warning track uh in the ninth inning with royce on uh, on first, I believe, and it was 8-7, so it would have been a two-run homer. But uh, Akil Badu, former twin, um, well, I guess technically former part of the Twins organization. He actually never yeah. played for the Twins. Um, but he made he made a nice running catch in left field, um, so that, and that kind of sealed it. And then I think uh, Max Kepler flew out or something like that. So, um, yeah, it was close. Like, we, we, we did put up some runs in the ninth to, to kind, of, kind of come back, but part of it was also Griffin Jacks just did not look good in this one gave up four runs, gave up two homers. Um, all in all, just kind of a really just messy game from the Twins. Um, yeah, just another good appearance from Emilio Pagan, like he's true. been having recently. Yeah. He's been probably their best reliever over the last month or so with yeah. Duran and Jax's struggles. So we're back in the scenario we were at the beginning of last year with Emilio Pagan. Yeah, um, let's just hope this one lasts a little bit longer. <laughs> You you can see that like I, I think Rocco maybe has a little bit of PTSD where it's like <laughs> he'll he'll go to Pagan, but he's like he's he won't use him in the ninth inning. He's barely used him in the eighth inning. It's like sixth or seventh, and he's always really good when he pitches the sixth or seventh. But, yeah. Well, and he's um, also going up against like the good part of the lineup too. Yeah, so at least that's like true. that's it's like because I mean that's I mean that's kind of how baseball works, is that like the eighth inning really isn't always the best hitters. It's you know, usually yeah. like it's always, you know, it's usually the first and maybe the third and it's like the fifth or sixth and then, yeah, maybe eight or ninth. Um, and Bagan is just like, yeah, he's delivering in those big spots. So it's good on him. And, you know, the twins are at least trusting him in those in those places. Yeah, I uh, we'll see about the bullpen. I, I'm the, the second game, this Pirate series, I think really showed it as well. But mm-hmm. they're at least one arm short, if not two. Yeah. Um, and, and it's something where as we get into the last month, month and a half of the season, if you're not going to have Louis Barlin start for the team again, if you're mm-hmm. really going to keep going with Dallas Keuchel when you need him, he might be a good relief option. You know, we're, right. we're not saying that Louis Varland is a reliever forever, but you have to look at the team right now that has a chance to compete in the playoffs, maybe make a run in the playoffs. That team is better if Louis Varland throws an inning instead of Josh Winder. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on to the Pirate series. Uh, game one was a 5-1 victory. Paulo Lopez was a starter in this one. Uh, went six innings with six hits, zero earned runs, two walks, and seven strikeouts. Just continuing a string of excellent outings for Pablo. He had a lead performance with the fastball versus the Phillies. And in this one, his changeup actually came back. Um, and the slider is also pretty good as well. The two pitches combined for 12 whiffs. He gave up two hits in the first inning, two immediate hits, and then pretty much just shut the door and... Um, finished the innings with two strikeouts and basically didn't have another inning. I think where there was uh, where he gave up more than one hit. Um, and he's currently in a 19 scoreless inning streak. So good on Pablo. Um, and then like we mentioned, 
Royce Lewis with a pretty nice web gem in the fourth. Diving to get a grounder up the, uh, the foul line, up the third base line, and then just firing the ball across the diamond to Solano. Yes, it wasn't on target necessarily, but I think it was impressive nonetheless that he A, got to the ball, then B, managed to get a throw in in time. Definitely. Uh, Pablo, like you mentioned already, is 19 inning straight scoreless, three straight scoreless starts. Yep. Uh, if you want to, again, maybe make a little bit of an of a Cy Young argument. I think there's one to be made for Pablo, especially where in the AL, it's a lot weaker than yeah, pretty it's much pretty wide open in the, AL. Yeah, yeah, it's extremely wide open. He has the, um, I think he still has the third most strikeouts. He is, I think second in the AL and wins above replacement, uh, among starting pitchers. He's, he's been really, really good. He's not going to get, I think as much recognition as he should because, mm-hmm. Uh, the ERA is a little inflated basically because the twins have let him go out there and still pitch through a lot of his hard spots. And he's proven he can do that um, versus somebody like Sonny Gray, who I think his ERA uh, oversells how good he's been this year because the mm-hmm. twins have had a pretty quick hook on him. But I think he deserves a shot. I think if he keeps us up through the end of the year, he at least should finish top three. Yeah. I mean, if we want to have some fun here. Uh, so if we look at F war specifically, so fan yeah. war, uh, Pablo's third. Sonny Gray is second. Sonny Gray is second in FWAR. Yeah, this is funny. one of those things where I'm like, have we <laughs> taken stats too far? Like, I, Sonny Gray is going to start a playoff game for the Twins if they're in there, and he probably should. Yeah, but he should not pitch after the fifth inning, right? And that's something where, um, I, I don't know how that's not like better captured in the wins above replacement formula, yeah. you know, I mean, where he's had a few games, he's gone deeper and it's been good, but maybe it's just because the twins have pulled him out so early. It hasn't mattered. I mean, here's the reason why he's doing so well in FWAR specifically. It's because he leads the league among qualified pitchers in fit. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that that's a big part of the FWAR calculation is that they, they bring in FIP into that. Uh, but I mean, if we just look at, I mean, this is a conversation on Pablo specifically, but Pablo is third in caper nine. Uh, in terms of, uh, I think ERA, he was like third or something like that. Um, oh, sorry, no, Sunny Gray is third. Pablo's like Pablo's tenth. But in terms of innings pitch, he's third behind Garrett Cole and Fabric Valdez, um, and he has one less start than Garrett Cole. So he actually, he's kind of on track to have the same number of innings as Cole does. He's got, you know, just he actually has kind of better numbers than Garrett Cole, unless you look at ERA. Then it's not that great, but. Um, it there's I I'm kind of talking myself into this that that he's a he's actually a candidate for Al Cy Young. Yeah, I don't even think you really have to talk yourself into it, and I think you're gonna see a big social media push from the Twins uh over the last month of the season, especially because I think that's often what um can get a little bit more recognition, right? If you start yeah. start to see more people talk about it, uh, like we are on other podcasts, people writing articles about it. And I think maybe there's a little bit of, oh, it's maybe too early to have these conversations. But I think you're going to see a big push, both from the twins and from the beat writers that cover the twins saying, hey, Pablo needs a really legitimate good look at this because it's him, it's Gossman, and it's Cole at this point, I think. Yeah. Otani hasn't pitched enough recently and has been okay, not great uh, in the recent starts. And maybe that he turns it around and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fran Valdez, who looked like a good candidate early on, has had a really rough go. And then yesterday just threw at somebody's ankles because he was frustrated about giving up home runs. And so <laughs> I think that's going to probably dig him in the minds of some voters. And yeah, uh, yeah no, I, 
you know, you want to throw out some other names like Luis Castillo, but eh, okay, not great. Yeah. Better numbers than maybe the advanced numbers suggest. Now Pablo has better numbers. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. And so, <laughs> and then you start getting into Sonny Gray, Logan Gilbert uh, type of guys. Mm-hmm. Ironically, Jose Barrios is probably in that same category who's been very, very strong this year. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think you've got to consider Pablo top three, top four at the absolute minimum yeah i mean sierra he's top two uh gossman's first above him in that yeah caper nine he's third gossman's actually had some really good numbers this year so so there's that but yeah it's yeah it kind of i think it, it, the, the, the three horse race is probably cole gossman and uh and pablo which yeah. is um hey if if uh we traded a bang champ for a cy young winner i'll take that i mean <laughs> It, it, co- it coincides, Pablo being so good coincides with Arise being on his worst stretch of the season where he's hitting like 220 in August. He's only taken one walk, right? This is what we saw from Arise last year with the Twins, which was he was so good in the first half. He was an all-star. He was excellent in the second half. Yeah. He's hurt. He's scraping by. He's basically just getting at bat so that he could beat Aaron Judge in the uh, batting title race and making sure he's still qualified. But yeah. by all means, uh sounded like he would have been on the injured list in any other scenario. Mm-hmm. And so – that this is why the twins made the trade, right? Arise is very valuable when he's healthy and when he's hitting. Yep. But when he's not hitting and hitting consistently, there's just not enough in the rest of his repertoire that he offers that make him a valuable player. And so this is I, I don't know if the twins thought Pablo could be this good. I think they thought he could be like a solid two with some one upside, but he has been a number one ace type of pitcher that is now signed for the next five years, which is excellent. Yeah. I will say in B war. So baseball reference war, Pablo is ninth. Well, um, who likes baseball reference anyway? I've always liked fan graphs. Yeah. Sonny Gray is fifth <laughs> in that metric. So, and, uh, Nathan Edvaldi, who has not pissed for a month, uh, a little salty about that. Cause he's on multiple, my fantasy teams is somehow second in war. So that's, that's dumb. He, listen, he was really good while he pitched. He was so, really good while he and pitched. And famously, <laughs> I mean, until he got hurt, basically had a rubber arm and was just eating up innings. Yeah, it was uh, It was funny how his fastball velocity was going down with every single start. And you're like, yeah. when is this going to blow up? And it's like, oh, wait, it did blow up. Great. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, uh, yes, Pablo was having a great season. Um, and he's one of the big reasons why we won this game because he didn't give up a single run in six innings of pitching. The offense did help out a little bit here. Uh, Michael E. Taylor got a two-run homer early in the fourth. Uh, fun fact about Michael E. Taylor, he's three homers away from tying his career high of 19 homers. Uh, of course, that all being said, he is in the nine hole or you know eight hole sometimes for a reason. He's not exactly the best hitter on the team. Um, but he also has the second highest OPS of his career this season as well. So he's having a good season overall. Yes, he's been dealing with injuries, but honestly, he's kind of been trucking through that and playing you know the majority of days in center field um that trade for me is probably the trade that might have saved the season for the twins yeah if you don't have michael a taylor right because i'm assuming they made this trade because they knew the deal with buxton right right and even even if he was going to play like half the games in center you knew you needed another guy out there and so if you don't have him you're looking at Alberto Celestino out there again regularly. Nick Gordon, mm-hmm. uh, who was very bad before he got hurt, or maybe you hang on to Jake Cave, who is somehow basically a regular with the Phillies at this point. Yeah. But 
Um, yeah, no, that it was a very smart, savvy move where even if you have Buxton playing center, you need another guy. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, like we said before, Royce Lewis, I think, uh, fits in perfectly into that slot starting next year to, you know, share some time with Buxton. Right. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see if they try to hold on to Michael A. Taylor as a defensive specialist. But like you mentioned, if Royce Lewis is kind of ready to, to slide into that role. And of yeah. course that's just all pure speculation too. We don't, we don't really know what the plans are for the twins there right now, but. Um, well, the, the other thing I would say there too, is given the Buxton and Pablo and uh, Correa contracts, mm-hmm. they're going to be a little bit more hamstrung financially than they have been in the past where sure. Gallo's number will be coming off the books, which will help. Yep. I'm assuming at this point, they'll probably bring Kepler back Polanco. I think they'll probably decline his option mm-hmm. uh, if things don't change. And so looking at that, right. You're, looking for other places to maybe save some money. Yeah. If you have an option in Royce Lewis, then maybe you can use that money to either trade for or sign somebody to play a first base corner outfield position where you can get some real offensive value, not just defensive value. Yeah. That or a reliever, you know, they're <laughs> real expensive nowadays, apparently. Yeah. Well, and they're going to need at least one starter, if not two. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyways, Michael A. Taylor having a career year, basically, um, at 33, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Shout out yeah. to him. Um, so I don't love the fact that these this Twins team is striking out at a high rate, but it does seem like the offense production is kind of at least a bit more balanced of the, across the board. In this game, actually, the five runs all came on uh, – none of them came on homers, I should say, except for, obviously, Michael A. Taylor. Um, but it was, uh, you know, pretty balanced. You know, it wasn't like one guy dominating the, the box score, which I think is – it's at least good to see compared to, I think, like maybe in the middle of the season where it was like if one guy didn't hit a homer – we had like one or two runs, you know, yeah. and in this one, it's like, yeah, we got a homer here, but it was Michael A. Taylor in the nine hole, right? Like right. Um, you're getting contributions up and down the lineup, which I think is is at least good to see because there was a point where basically after the f- number five hitter, and let's be honest, that was kind of even generous after like the number three hitter um, offense was non-existent. Yeah. Willie Castro has been a very important part of the twins this yep. year. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't be hitting higher than seventh, you know, like <laughs> he, he's a utility guy. He can steal some bases. He's very good defensively wherever you put him, but he was hitting way too high in the lineup way too often. And you know, the, the offense has been a lot better this half uh, of the season. And especially since the trade deadline, when you know I kind of went in on them a little bit for not going out and picking somebody. Right. But um, a lot of that's been because Julian's been in the lineup every day. Walner's been in the lineup every day. Lewis is healthy again. Uh, Polanco is, you know, not great, not the best version of himself, but he's better than Kyle Farmer. And mm-hmm. so, you know, little changes like that have taken the Twins, I think, from, you know, a bottom third type of offense. So I think they've been top 10 since the trade deadline. Yeah. And those young guys have been central to that. And it's been critical for I think the twins that actually finally give up on Joey Gallo where he's playing sometimes out of necessity, mm-hmm. but for the most part is what he is playing hitting eighth or ninth. Yeah. Uh, not much to mention about the relievers other than that. Jack's had a good bounce back game after giving up four runs again, Pagan and Duran all were really solid. Um, and yes, because it was a four run lead, neither Pagan or Duran actually got a hold or a save in this one, but who cares about reliever stats? Um, that being said, they had really solid innings and I think, um, yeah, it's, it's at least good to see, but like you mentioned, uh, (laughs) the bullpen had a a few more uh, issues with the remainder of this series. Yeah. The, well, even in this one, right. Uh, Caleb Thielbar came in, walked a guy, gave up two hits in a run, didn't get an out. And Jack's really came in and bailed them out. 
Um, he got a pop up and I think two strikeouts to yep. finish it off mm-hmm. and put the put an end to really the only threat that the Pirates had all game, the only serious threat that they had. And so, right. um, yeah, a, a really really excellent bounce back from Jacks after a really rough game before to come in and get three straight guys and not give up any more runs. It's as mm-hmm. good as it gets. Yep. Uh, moving on then to game two. This was a seven four loss. Sonny Gray started in this one. Six point two innings, four hits, four and runs, three walks, and seven strikeouts. Uh, if you look at those raw numbers, actually they just make the start look a lot worse. But he actually was perfect through the first sixteen batters. Technically, probably could have been perfect through seventeen, but it was you know a, a ball that was. I don't know what what type of I don't even know what you call that hit right. It was just kind of a weirdly hit short grounder. Um, yeah, to third base, Polanco charged it and just kind of didn't throw it accurately. That being said, though, Leover Perguero, who's the guy who hit it, is really fast. Yeah, um, so I don't even know if he, if the hit, if the ball gets there in time, if they actually get the out there. Uh, I think it looked like they would have. Right, I think it's one of those where if Royce is out there, where again, I, I don't think Royce has been great at third base, but he has been significantly better than Polanco has been. And Polanco's at least willingness to play third has been really important because mm-hmm. it's been that's able true. to keep Julian's bat in the lineup. So I think that's more important. And I've been saying all year, you know, let's trade some defense for some offense. That's what this team needs. Mm-hmm. And then this is the trade-off where, you know, from here it kind of spirals a bit for Sonny and leads to that beginning. Right, exactly. So it's not completely his fault, uh, but he was just basically giving up a lot of singles that were just going yeah. through holes in the in the in the infield, led to three runs. Um but honestly, after Piguero, and then I think there was one more batter, um, it was just third time through the order penalty, right? Like, that's kind of what it was for Sonny. Like, he, yep. they, they didn't bat around, but he faced Piguero in the seventh inning. So, essentially, like, it was, I think it was like five or six batters um, in yeah. the sixth alone after that, that, uh, that first out. So, unfortunate there. That being said, though, in the seventh inning, the Twins also couldn't convert a double play. That was kind of a weird thing. Like, was there interference? I don't really know. Like the the probably not by the technical definition. Exactly. But like the, yeah. You know what the guy was trying to do. You know. Right. Exactly. And, and Julian, like, it, it, he's trying not to hit the dude. Yeah. Um The guy is kind of in his throwing line, so he sails it just a tiny bit. Donovan Solano has to jump up. If uh, if Joey Gallo is playing first, <laughs> that might still be an out just because you don't have to jump that, to get the ball. You know what? <laughs> there's a, there's a point. Solano is kind of short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but yeah, yeah. that's kind of funny. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of when you saw uh, Solano do that little hop to get the ball. I'm like, you know, if that's Joey Gallo or even Alex Kirloff, Alex Kirloff isn't huge, but he's, you know, six foot, six one, just reach up instead of the five eight Donovan Solano. Yeah, yeah, that, that's actually a really good point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just unfortunate there, just another, I wouldn't even call it a miscue. It was just unfortunate and it extended the inning. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, honestly, beyond that, Gray was looking pretty solid. You know, it, yeah. it's just that, like what you said, after the fifth inning, it's just it's a little dicey. Uh, yeah, I think, I think uh, Aaron Gleeman tweeted this out after the game, but uh, before the sixth inning, he has like a two point something ERA, and afterwards, uh-huh. he has a six point seven five. Right, and so yeah. it's one of those scenarios where uh, I was covering this game for the site, and so maybe I was you know being a little extra critical about uh-huh. this game, but it's one of those things where this entire game perfectly encapsulates my frustration with not picking up at least one other reliever because um, the twins know that 
Sonny isn't good after the fifth inning, right? I don't think they want him out there. But when you're in the scenario where Jax pitched the day before, Thielbar pitched the day before, Duran pitched the day before, Pagan pitched the day before, well, you don't know if you want to use all of them in a game like this. And so your choice then is, okay, do we have Josh Winder or Jordan Belazovic throw medium to high leverage innings, or do we send Sonny Gray out in the sixth and then into the seventh as well, even after he gave up those runs? And I think in this scenario – it's probably the right move to just send out Sonny when you don't have these other relievers available. Yeah. But so you, you basically, you make that first mistake because you don't have the right guys. Mm-hmm. And then it gets compounded because uh, then you're only down by one, but Blazovic is pitching in the uh, top of the ninth because again, you don't have another reliever. And when you're in this scenario, you can't really afford to throw out Jack Duran, Thielbar, Pagan in this uh, game where you're trailing, even if it's only by one run, mm-hmm. and it spirals, and Jordan Belazovic is just pick, pitching in a situation where he shouldn't be. Right. Um, he's been okay. You know, I know the Twins talked earlier this year about wanting to get him some more high leverage innings. I think he's proven at this point, excuse me, I think he's proven at this point that he's a little bit out of his depth there and just, you know, but what other options do you have? And it's such a simple problem you could have solved, and the Twins just decided, no, we'd rather have. Blazovic or Winder or Sands pitched this, especially because they knew uh, Brock Stewart probably wasn't coming back. That's the part that extra frustrates me about this. Right. You had this information about Brock Stewart ahead of time, mm-hmm. and still you didn't make a move. And of course, the big irony here is that Blazovic got sent down to AAA. Right. Uh, so it's like, oh, he had a bad start. We're going to bring up Oliver Ortega instead, who has not been particularly good. Um, there's a reason why he was in the minors, right? So uh, it's yeah it just seems super strange that they made this decision and then of course like the the whole other thing is that they currently have two long relief guys on the roster yeah. in Cole Sands and Josh Winder Cole Sands literally pitched eight inning uh, sorry eight pitches on Saturday's game and i think that's like the fr- this first time he's pitched in like a week or something yeah he's I get that you kind of need to have a guy like that to eat some innings occasionally, but the twin starters have been so good <laughs> that well, it's not even you don't that. need a guy like that. They have two of them. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, is they've always gone to Winder, it seems like, over Sands. Also, I take that back. Uh, Cole Sands pitched uh, August 19th, right? Uh, the last yeah. time he appeared for the Twins was uh, July 20th. That yeah, I, think, I think there was a AAA stint in between did, yeah, there. The last but... time he played the AAA was july 8th uh, sorry uh, august 8th but still he's been on the roster yeah. since i think ortega got sent down a few yeah, weeks exactly. ago and just hasn't done anything and so it's one of those where yeah you don't have great guys that could fill that role um now but you mm-hmm. could have gotten one at the trade deadline or you know the name that still keeps popping up on twitter every week is uh funder bunk who i know you also like <laughs> yeah. there's patrick murphy down there who's been pitching pretty well like what what is the point of having Cole Sands on the roster if you're never going to use him. Right. And then and, and I get if you're not going to use him because he's not a very good pitcher, but then <laughs> why not use his roster spot on somebody who at least could potentially help you uh, in a medium leverage situation? Yeah, and the weird thing too is that in, uh, in AAA, they're still using him as a long reliever, you know? Yeah. They're, they're not exactly like stretching him out to be uh, a starter in AAA. They've, they've just been doing him for a couple relief appearances here and there. Um, and so it's like, well, if that's the whole goal, then why don't you use him as just like a one inning reliever in the majors this year? Right. Like if that, if that's what you're trying to build him up to be, then don't yeah. call him up and then not use him for like an entire week. 
Uh, the the AAA strategy in general has been a little confusing to me. I get it a little bit, right? But they've done the same thing with uh, Ortega, with Belazovic, with Sands, with Winder, uh, with Simeon Woods Richardson, uh, with pretty much every guy on the 40-man roster who is a pitching prospect besides Louis Varland. Mm-hmm. They use them in these weird hybrid long relief slash maybe starter roles. And if you're trying to develop some more starters and stretch them out a little bit, but limit the innings, I think that makes sense. But again, for this team, there's some of these guys that it's like, okay, Cole Sands probably isn't a long-term starter at the major league level. Right. And so why not see if he has something, if you can play up a little bit in the shorter stints mm-hmm. or why not try that with Winder or they've tried that a little bit with Blazovic, It hasn't worked. So give them some credit for that. Um, but still you got to try something to help your team right now. And maybe I'm, complaining about this too much because once you get to the playoffs, you don't really need all that many relievers and you have deal bar, Pagan, Jax Duran, which is plenty enough to get you mm-hmm. through a playoff game. Yeah. And in the playoffs, those guys are going to be available in every game pretty much no matter what. Right. And so maybe I'm overplaying it a little bit, but it just, it's frustrating to have the same thing happen every single week. Yeah, exactly. And like, there's also the whole aspect of like in the playoffs, you also have a shorter rotation. So you could move guys like Maeda and, God forbid, Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, um, oh, they're, they're, if Dallas Keuchel is on the playoff roster, either people have gotten hurt or Satan has decided to personally come down and put me in hell because, like, <laughs> I don't know what that would be about. Just remember, the whole Twins thing is that we started an Uber driver in Game Two of the playoffs. I think, uh, and Brian Dunsing started in Game <laughs> One of the playoffs one year. Yeah, yeah that's it's a time honored Twins tradition to start a nobody <laughs> in the playoffs. Yeah, I I mean, let's be honest. If Keiko was like a one inning dude, maybe I'd do it. But obviously, he's not. He, that's not his role right now. So, whatever. Yeah. Anyways, that all being said, <laughs> um, yeah, game game two of this, uh, yeah, just Blazovic, really terrible outing here. Prior to that, actually, the Twins were only down one at one round, like you mentioned, and that. But the also unfortunate thing with that was that they were facing uh, Pirates ace Mitch Keller, which is a funny thing to say, but. He's actually been really good for them this season. Um, he got 12 strikeouts in this one, just a classic sort of twins, like facing a, I guess, an above average pitcher and making them look really, really good. Um, they did have a couple opportunities, though. And the sixth, they had bases loaded, no outs. And then uh, Keller pretty routinely just struck out Royce Lewis, Donovan Solano, and Joey Gallo. Um, and then in the ninth inning as well, um, when they were down by three Carlos Correa was up representing the tying run there was men on first and second no outs and Correa in you know I guess the fashion that we've been expecting from him this season hit into a double play and that put him at the uh the league league with 24 the next closest is Ty France with 21 so um kind of unfortunate there that's uh sucks that it had to happen right there but it is interesting i was kind of looking at some underlying stats with correa like he is a little bit slower this year obviously he's dealing with plantar fasciitis he is hitting the ball as hard as ever i guess so to speak like his his hard contact rate hasn't really gone down his ground ball rate hasn't really increased that much dramatically he's just his average and babbitt are just a lot lower than than previous years and it's it's i don't know if we say that's because of the plantar fasciitis if he just can't run out um you know grounders at this rate um if that injury is really you know impacting him and being able to do that but there's just some weird stuff going with correa this season and i i would like to say we'd hope for a similar resurgence that he had last season where like august september were amazing for correa i just don't really think that's in the cards this this year 
Yeah, I don't think so either. I think you're kind of at the point with him now where you probably need to drop him in the lineup. Um, you, you have the guys now that are hitting well enough to, I think, supplant him. And, you know, that's something I think you got to gotta handle carefully, right? But at, yeah. by all accounts, it seems like Rocco's very, very good at that type of stuff. That's basically why they have him is because he's really good at managing relationships with the players and yeah. uh, doing all of that. And so, um, you know, at this point, is there really any reason for him to be hitting over Kepler or Walner or uh, Royce Lewis like he pretty regularly has been? Mm-hmm. I would say no. Um, I, I don't think this is the end for Carlos Correa. No, He's totally. way too dedicated. He's way too talented. Maybe it's the injuries. Maybe it's the ridiculous uh, offseason that he had leading up to this. But it mm-hmm. just doesn't look like it's going to happen this year. And you know, there is kind of that reset that happens as you get into September, October, where it's mm-hmm. like, hey, new season, let's, uh, you could very well carry us through uh, that stretch. But uh, like they did with Buxton earlier this year, you got to, I think, take him out of these spots where he's always hitting with guys on base and always grounding into double plays because it's just been, uh, they, they've been rally killers, right? And this basically ended that game. It wasn't actually the final out, mm-hmm. but right. um, guys on first and third, no out, you're down by three. And then a, double play pretty much ends it yeah exactly so and, and like we're not saying you're dropping him to the eight hole like he's still probably going to be like a number six hitter it's, at hit, worst six like he did with buxton when buxton yeah. was really struggling so it's not like he can't contribute in a meaningful way on this team but there's at least what maybe three hitters that are better than him in terms of the role he has which is just you know yeah. not necessarily hitting homers but just driving in guys that are on base and scoring position right like you there's an argument that Lewis should be above that. There's an argument that maybe Polanco could be. I mean, he is. Batting, I mean, he is batting ahead of Korea right now. So there's that. He, he yeah, it's just he's hitting second and Korea's hitting third. He's yeah, hitting exactly. third and Korea's <laughs> hitting fourth, right? Um, but yeah, I, I think you want Julian's been really good in the leadoff spot, other than his little uh, bad stretch that he had there in the middle. But right. you have Julian leading off pretty much every day, and then you have Kepler hitting second or third pretty much every day. And then I think, like you were saying probably Royce Lewis up there, probably Jorge Polanco, probably Matt Walner, and then Carlos Correa. Yeah. Because I think – and I think the way to think about it is that exact situation that we had in this game, which is who do you want up first and third game on the line. Mm-hmm. I'd probably take any of those five players above Carlos Correa right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, moving on to the last game, which we've talked about a little bit at length, but this was a 2-0 victory. Dallas Keuchel with 6.1 perfect innings. What the heck? Um, yeah, I'll be honest. I was really disappointed that Keiko was going to be pitching, but because of the extra days of rest, him and Varlin weren't on sync, um, which doesn't mean that the twins could have just started Varlin and moved on to the next pitcher, but you know, whatever the twins are going to twin, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, he ended up starting this one. It was perfect through 6.1 innings. I don't really know what else to say. He had a really generous strike zone. It was kind of vintage Keuchel for what you would expect to see from him in like a, a game where he performs well. He he got three strikeouts and he got a 58% ground ball rate. There was 17 balls in play. Like uh, he faced, what is that? That means he faced 19. No, no, sorry. It's 17 balls in play. He faced uh, 21 batters, right? Yeah. Three of them struck out. Uh, 16 of them ended up with a either line out or ground out. And, and then Brian Reynolds had a double. So yeah. it was like... <laughs> Oh, that's not a recipe for success at all. So, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> this is exactly like the Diamondback start where it's oh wow, wow, he went six point one, he gave up one hit, he uh he was perfect into the seventh inning. That's crazy, amazing. Dallas Keuchel's back. No, he's not. 
he just got really lucky again. And unfortunately, since he took a perfect inning into this one so long, he's yeah. going to get another start most likely, well, at least one, if oh not multiple. Gosh, I hope not. Because the thing is right now, if you look at roster resource, which is um, a thing on fan graphs where you can kind of see, you know, probables and who's going to be starting potentially. Right now they have Joe Ryan scheduled to be part of the Twins uh, rotation, which, you know, we'll, we'll, see if, we'll see if that actually happens. But they have Joe Ryan scheduled to go against uh, the Texas Rangers, who are the hottest offense in baseball right now. Well, yeah. Atlanta's hotter, but the, Texas is really hot. And I'm just imagining Dallas Keuchel going up against the Rangers, and it's like, will he even survive the first inning? <laughs> like, legitimately, I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, that's the thing, is you have, you have four games against the Rangers, which means either Keuchel or Joe Ryan is probably going to have to face them. And yeah. given Keuchel not getting any whiffs and Joe Ryan having a huge home run problem uh, recently, I don't know if you want either of those guys going. So maybe yeah. you briefly have a seven-man rotation and call up Varland for one game or something. But no, This is what you do. This is the reason okay. why This is why Cole Sands and uh, Josh <laughs> Weiner on this team. You use Dallas Keuchel as a one-inning opener. doesn't matter how bad it gets. And you say, Cole Sands, you're pitching four innings. I don't care how much they run up the score on you. You're pitching four innings. Yeah, you're throwing then, 80 pitches. Yeah, and then you tell Josh Weiner, you are also pitching four innings. I don't care how much they're running, <laughs> the running up the score on you. You, you just accept the loss. Exactly. It's, an, it's just an auto loss. It's just like a yeah. bad bullpen game. But you're like, we're only going to use three pitchers. So, you know, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, Joe, it sounds like Joe Ryan will most likely come back this week. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want that to be against the Rangers. So maybe you just push him and let Keuchel, you know, eat a big <laughs> loss on one instead. Um, where... You want Joe Ryan to come back and look like a potential playoff starter, right? Yeah. And so just confidence-wise, we know that a lot of the home run problem was coming because of the groin. He had never given up home runs. Obviously, that was like a historic rate. He was yeah. giving up home runs. Mm -hmm. And he's never been anywhere close to that. He's always been good at limiting home runs. And so despite being a fly ball pitcher. And so I don't know if that's going to be the plan. We'll see. But this is the same thing I said again about uh, Kenta Maeda coming back and facing the Braves. Yeah. And then he shut down the Braves. So. Yeah. What do I know about baseball? I mean, it's a heck of a way to say this guy is going to be on our playoff roster because first game back he's going to face the Texas Rangers. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, you know, knock on wood, maybe he'll he'll actually, you know, do really well against that. But it's also not a great way to, you know, be coming back off the IL. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Keuchel has pitched the Twins into a dilemma where <sighs> he hasn't been good. The Twins are a very – uh, analytically advanced organization they yeah. know that he hasn't been good but i think fans would maybe riot because they aren't as analytically advanced even though it might be the better move uh, but that being said if you're going to have him on the roster and you just want to have him in the cole sands role if we're going to have you pitch every three weeks yeah yeah whatever <laughs> i mean i'll be honest if there's any twins fan and i guess i i maybe i shouldn't be giving them too much credit who thinks that Dallas Keuchel should be continued pitching for the rest of the season based on this one start? Two I, starts. Just oh, fine. Two starts. <laughs> um, I don't know what you're seeing. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, Cy Young winner threw a perfect game into the seventh. It was funny though. Afterwards, he gave some quotes where he's like, he went out there in the seventh. And he's like, I basically had nothing left. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, I was gassed, but you know, I, I wanted to go out there. Well, you know. Yeah, of course. You know, he, you, you don't want to be in that weird like Clayton Kershaw role back last year when, um, I mean he was not he was at a pitch count limit he hit it and so yeah. Dave Roberts came in took him out of the game and it was like yeah I can't believe you you let a guy you took a game you took Clayton Kershaw out when he had a perfect against the Twins through six innings and he was like he's at his pitch limit yeah he's um, he's still like coming back from injury unlike Clayton Kershaw I don't think. Uh, the Twins were as concerned about Dallas Keuchel's health. And so no, they're like, yeah, not. if he gets yeah. hurt, not the end of the world. <laughs> um, in fact, maybe it would be better.
Um, so they can just IL him and move on. But, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it was still nice to see. He got a good ovation at the yeah, end of it all. Definitely. He was happy. He was smiling. And it's a great story for him to, you know, work all the way back and have a very lucky couple of starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, not much to speak of with the bats because it was a 2-0 victory. But Julian, great day from him. Two RBIs. Um, the other weird thing, though, was that this was a bullpen day for the Pirates. Yeah. So the fact that the Twins struck out 16 times against relievers is, like, kind of annoying. <laughs> But, I mean, relievers are kind of good at basically one thing, right? Pitching, striking people out. That's pitching it. one inning and striking people out. Yeah. Right? So it's not that surprising that the Twins struck out 16 times, but it's also, like, totally within the Twins, like, narrative. Just be <laughs> like, oh, it's a bullpen day. Let's just be terrible on offense. Yeah. Um, the other funny thing was because um, the Pirates opened up with a lefty opener, uh, Jordan Luplo batted leadoff, which is, I think, the horror story that no one, none of the <laughs> Twins wanted. But um, that's that's what we got. Yeah, I, I kind of view it more as like they knew they were just going to throw him out there for one at bat essentially right. against the lefty. Yeah. And then when Joey Gallo subbed him, I'm like, oh, it's basically like Joey Gallo's batting 10th. You know, yeah. he's not really the leadoff hitter now. He's batting 10th. That's what's <laughs> happening here. Yeah. It was just one of those like, I know why they're doing this. And like, uh, like strategically wise, it makes so much sense. But also, like, why is this guy batting leadoff? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Whatever. It was nice to see them actually let uh, Walner and Julian hit against some lefties. I know they both haven't been, and Walner especially has been pretty atrocious, but Mm -hmm. uh, I think Julian got a hit off the lefty. Walner got hit by a pitch, so he technically got on base. But we didn't talk about that also. I think this was uh, game one against the Pirates when he got hit in the hand by the 95-mile-an-hour fastball, and everyone's like, oh, that's going to be broken. He's going to be done for the year. And then he was in the lineup the next day. He got scratched because he was sore, but he was in the lineup. That's insane. Yeah, I think people were joking that his like bones were made of cement or stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's what Rocco. That was Rocco's quote where he's yeah. like, it's made of cement. I'm like, frankly, I think cement would break against the 95 <laughs> mile an hour fastball. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of impressive, but um, I mean, he's a big dude. So that all being said, like, he he took that hit pretty well. Yeah, it's uh very glad he was healthy because, like we were saying earlier, he's been a big part of the offense turning around uh, in the second half. Yeah. Um, other than that, bullpen was solid. Jacks cleaned up the remainder of the seventh, got two strikeouts there, which was huge. And then um, Durant got the save. So uh, one maybe slightly annoying thing, and I don't know whose fault this is. I mean, it's Durant's fault, but I, I whatever. Uh, he could have gotten the third out, but he didn't really, you know, hustle it over to first base to catch a catch a ball from uh, Donovan Solano. Ended up not mattering because he struck out the, the next guy, I believe. Yeah. Or no, sorry, it was a ground out to the next guy. Um, but you know, just one of those things where come playoff time, like they're going to need Durant to be like on his A game mentally as well. And so, you know, getting reps like this, even when it's, you know, against the Pirates, I guess, um, it would be nice to see him be have a, just a little bit more uh, mindfulness about like what's happening and, and not just be like, oh, look, a grounder to first. I'm going to wait here on the mount. Oh, shoot. I need to run over to first now. Yeah, it's uh it's honestly probably one of those things where we're talking before he threw 60 some innings this last year he's throwing 45 this year and before mm-hmm. that he hadn't thrown many he just probably hadn't gotten that situation all that often he probably was truly just forgot and so yeah you know it, it's frustrating they didn't make the play but also good for him to remember that now because that's probably going to stick in his mind the next exactly. time it happens yeah just getting the reps also why they really need to be moving um 
uh, Edward Julian at first base, but that's a conversation for another day. Well, uh, let's start getting into that conversation because <laughs> I think a lot of that has to do with the injuries and the injury updates. So yeah. speaking of that uh, first base, let's start with uh, Alex Kirilov, yeah. who has started swinging the bat, which is good. Uh, and according to Dan Hayes in The Athletic, uh, is planning to at least have a plan for rehab early this week. Mm-hmm. And so I would imagine that means we don't really hear anything tomorrow with the off day. Uh, Twins don't really talk to media that much on the off day, but I think come uh, Tuesday before the game, I think we'll get a plan from them on Kirloff. I think it'll be similar to Royce Lewis, which is, you know, the results will be the results, but it's mostly getting you some in-game reps. And with the shoulder injury, uh, you know, are you sore afterwards? Is it a manageable amount of soreness, kind of like Lewis with the oblique? And once they're feeling good about that, mm-hmm. mostly I think once they're feeling like he can play three times a week, they bring him up, beaten, then they can move on from Joey Gallo because uh, Joey Gallo had that two home run game last week. And since that, he is 0 for 9 with, uh, let's see, five strikeouts. So, yeah, not bad. Uh, yeah, for Joey Gallo, I mean, there was a good amount of walks mixed in there. Yeah. So He's getting on base. Technically, but uh, striking out in 55% of your at-bats isn't going to play. Yeah. So uh, even for Joey Gallo. But the, the good news is uh, between that and then Byron Buxton, who it sounds like is fairly close to rehab assignment as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been doing reps in center. So that's yeah. the big update with him, which is, you know, I don't think by any account he's going to come back and play uh, five times a week in center. But if you can play once or twice a week in center, yeah. I think it helps the lineup quite a bit. Obviously, you take Michael A. Taylor out, and then you still have DH available for whichever of Julian Polanco Lewis is playing in the field that day. And the other mm-hmm. two play second and third. So yeah. um, that's a big deal. And I think the plan is, like we were talking about earlier this week, uh, or last week rather, is – Get him some reps so that come playoff time, he is starting in there every day because you're not saving him for anything at that point. It's the same thing with the relievers, right? You don't need to save Duran for something else. You don't need to save Jax for something else. This is it. This is what you've been saving him for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Buxton, you kind of treat it very similar, which is if he can get some game reps now, kind of get back into the swing of things once or twice a week, and then come to playoffs, he can play there every single day. I think the Twins would be very, very happy about that. Yeah. I mean, even in, let's just, I mean, I don't want to, you know, be a little too optimistic here, but let's just say they get to the division series. It's a five game series. Let's just say they play all five games. He could only, he could still just play, let's just three games in the field, right? Yeah. Like they don't need him to play all five games in the field, but as long as he could play a few, it allows them to get their best, uh, best lineup, uh, batting lineup at least. Well, and it gives you more flexibility where if Michael A. Taylor is a bench player rather than a starter, mm-hmm. you have a great pinch runner then at the end of the game, which is yeah. really important in the playoffs when that one run is going to be the difference between a win and a loss, right? Yeah. Um, and so when you have guys like, you know, Willie Castro, if he's healthy, will be on the playoff roster, not because, you know, you want him hitting in the middle of your lineup, but because he has an important bench role. It's why they added Billy Hamilton to the roster last year. They don't necessarily yeah. want him in games in September, but come the playoffs, you don't need versatility. You don't need the lineup versatility. You need the end game versatility. Right. And that's what I think they're going to value. Well, and the other thing, too, is that it, this is not really a realistic scenario. But let's just say in the playoffs, there is no ghost runner, right? So yeah. let's just say it's the ninth inning and Buxton's like, okay, my knees are kind of killing me right now. I can't play center anymore. All of a sudden, you have a gold glove center fielder that you can just insert into that role. And like, the game goes on for four more innings. You can, you can feel good that you're not taxing Buxton more than than he needs to be at least yeah or 
you're uh it's the end of the game you need your best defensive lineup out there right so julian's not going to be at second probably kyle farmer out there yeah and then if in left you have michael a taylor byron buxton in center max coupler in right that's a you know that's about as good as an outfield mix as it gets yeah, and so at, at least if buxton can you know be 80 percent of platinum glove byron buxton yeah um yeah, I, I, no, we don't need to convince anybody that Buxton playing in center is good and a very big deal. Yeah. But I will say that we're, I think me and you are the Byron Buxton whisperers because <laughs> we talked about this, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, but we yeah. were like, you know, maybe this is what you got to do. He's taking some extra time off now. Yeah, I, We called that at the beginning of the year. We called where we were like, we don't think he's going to play in the field yeah. maybe at all until late in the season. Like we've called this perfectly every stretch along the way. So maybe yeah. it was the interview we did at the beginning of the season, but me and you and me and Buck, we've just always been on the same page. It, yeah, for sure. And it's like, <laughs> he's not going to hit 130 games this year. Let's just take a little bit more rest on the IL. And like, yeah, they, they've Especially, already said again, he's going on a rehab assignment. So the, the lineup has been pretty good, right? There's yeah. no need to necessarily rush him back versus you know, maybe the middle of this year. It's like, we need to get him back as fast as possible right. because we need the bat. And yeah. obviously the best version of the twins has Byron Buxton right in the middle of it hitting like he did last year, basically. Yeah. But uh, right now, again, the twins, I think are shifting more towards the long game at this point where uh, maybe there's a point of pride of not being the worst division winner in recent history. But <laughs> um, if you want to just take the pure cold analytical approach, you have a 95% chance to make the playoffs. You have a six game lead on the division. You don't need to rush Buxton back. And to that extent, uh, Joe Ryan, started his uh, rehab assignment with St. Paul. He pitched four innings, 72 pitches, struck out seven. I think he struck out uh, six of those in like the first seven batters that he faced. And so he was very much overpowering the AAA hitters to start, which is good. Uh, but he walked two, and then he gave up a home run in his last inning he was pitching. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's the bigger thing is the home runs because that's been the big issue. He was still striking guys out when uh, – he was having the issues, but the home run is where I think you're a little more concerned. Maybe with Keiko pitching well and the uh, Rangers coming up, like you were saying before, you delay him a series and get him to start next week instead of this week. But he should be back soon regardless, and I think that's really the way we'll see uh, if he's looking like first half Joe Ryan instead of second half Joe Ryan. Yeah, I think the question here for him ultimately is what are his mechanics, what are his mechanics looking like? Yeah. Because – with that groin injury, he was saying, you know, he was getting more on top of his fastball. He wasn't and getting the extension he usually gets. Exactly. So it's like if he feels like his mechanics are back to where they were prior to the groin injury, then I'm kind of okay with where if, if he's if they bring him back. But if, if he's like, I still don't know if I'm completely there, I'll stomach one more Dallas Keuchel start to make sure that right. he is completely back healthy. Right. I mean um... – that's the thing about Joe Ryan, right? Is he has a really good fastball, but when it's good, it's because it's deceptive, right? And the mm -hmm. extension plays a big part into that because yeah. he's throwing 91, 92. Duran has struggled a little bit and has had some velocity dip, but he's still 100, 101 instead of 103, 104. Yeah. And so that that's the difference, right? Is you can still get by with 100, 101 when you don't have the velo. Joe Ryan can't get by with uh, 91 and not having all the deception that he needs. Right, because then it's just a meatball. And yeah. Which like we saw is that, why I gave up the home runs. Right. We saw that Atlanta game. Granted, it's Atlanta. They were just teeing off on him. Yep. Um, and then after the game today, uh, Rocco gave some quotes saying maybe they go with a six-man rotation when Joe gets back, uh, which I think is less about wanting to keep Keuchel and more about, again, 
thinking about the long term and making sure that guys are rested and ready to go for the playoffs. Uh, they pretty much all have lengthy injury histories or not very many innings thrown histories like we've talked about before. And so I think this makes perfect sense. Even if you don't keep Keuchel, I think it would make sense to do it with Farland, mm-hmm. uh, especially once the rosters expand to 28 in September anyway in you know a week and a half. Right. Uh, I, I think it makes perfect sense to go with a six-man rotation the rest of the way. Yeah, I as long as it gives people rest, that's all that really matters because yeah, yeah, this this team is one that let's be honest, every single every single pitcher, like you mentioned, has had some some issues. So yeah, just, just being able to do that with the with with more roster flexibility is just a good thing. And then like the twins, that's that's one thing that they're at least good at is that they hold on to these guys forever, and um, now it's kind of worked in their favor. Yeah. I think it'd be like, well, we held on to this guy for so long. We now we don't need to cut him because we have extra roster space. <laughs> and you know, you, there's Chris Paddock who apparently oh, is gosh, facing yeah. live hitters who John hates with a passion. I don't really understand. It's but like five ERA, five <laughs> ERA. No, we looked this up last time. It wasn't that bad. But it, is, um, it was that bad the, the previous season. His oh, career okay. ERA isn't as as awful, but his most recent foray into baseball where he pitched a full season, he had a five ERA. <laughs> Chris Paddock is facing pitchers. He's under contract for two more years. He's going to pitch for the Twins whether John wants him to or not. Yeah. Um, and so he he's a guy that maybe could factor in uh, in the September mix. But And the nice thing about the six-man rotation is like you can go back at any time. It's not like yeah. you have to stick with it. Oh, I said so, so we have to, right? Like No, you can take Keiko out of it at any time if suddenly the division leads start shrinking and you need to buckle down and really get some wins. Great, we're going back to five. Uh, Pablo, we're pushing you up a day from where you were before. Uh, let's make sure we can go get the win. And yeah. so uh, there's also there's also a yeah. really fun irony where it's Joe Ryan technically has options. So yeah. like if you really wanted to shuffle a guy up and down, you'd be like, uh, well, uh, Joe, you're gonna spend like one day in AAA. I, I'm sorry that you're getting paid less, but this allows us to bring Chris Paddock up and have a seven man rotation or something stupid like that. Yeah. Well, I guess he would um, be down for one day. He'd be down for 15 days. So that's probably why they don't do that. But yeah, you can, you can get pretty weird with it in September with the two extra roster spots. Yeah. I mean, at least it's not like it was, you know, a few years ago when you could actually bring up the entire 40 man roster. That was hilarious. I know you, there'd just be some ridiculous substitutions and pitching yeah. changes. And like, like a rookie is getting their first game ever. And it's also like the one at bat they have on their, their baseball reference page or something. Yeah, like exactly. Like or like it, we're going into the ninth inning and we're making 10 D defensive substitution so now we're subbing one guy in and then immediately subbing him out just yeah. for fun <laughs> yeah um all right uh also on the injury front jose miranda who has been bad but again come september maybe would be a good valuable right-handed bat to have mm-hmm. off the bench uh he's been hitting off a tee he's been throwing at 50 percent. he hasn't gotten into any game action he hasn't faced any pitchers or frankly even the pitching machine right but um he still says he's hopeful to return this year and he gave an interview talking a lot about the shoulder and how that had really, uh, he felt like slowed him down this year. And mm-hmm. I think uh, whether he's used as a trade chip or as a part of the twins next year, he still has options remaining. So they don't have to trade him yeah. uh, if they want to start him at AAA next year. Uh, but I, I think there's still something there for Miranda, right? He still has the really good contact skills. He was hitting into a lot of weak uh, ground balls, but kind of like they have with Kepler the last few weeks, if we could just get him to elevate a little more, hit a few more line drives. Uh, I think he can still be a really good player. It's just maybe he's going to be a, more of a part-time player, which is okay when you have a pretty uh, 
full infield mix at this point with how uh, well everybody's played. Right. The nice thing is that they can actually DH Miranda, right? Yeah. Like they don't have to put him in the field. Um, and if his shoulder is still kind of a, you know, a nagging injury, but he can hit and he can hit lefties well, right? Yeah. And, and that was what like, he did very, very well last year. Yeah, so it's like, well, we have a righty DH who's doing better than let's than Buxton right now or something like that, right? right? Or let's just give Buxton a day off. Hey, we got another righty we can throw into the lineup. Or even, or even if he's playing, you know, right now, you pretty much have some lefty in the lineup against lefties when you're playing them, whether it's Julian or Kepler or Walner. One of them pretty much has to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you get Miranda back, right, well, okay, now you can put – uh, Solano at second, so Julian isn't playing, or you can, uh, you know, instead of playing him at first against lefties like he normally does, and Miranda's playing at first. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, your first base options, Kirilov, Gallo, are both lefties. So, mm-hmm. um, all right, let's wrap this up because we've been going for, for a long time here. But two other minor updates Nick Gordon is running, which is something, I suppose. Um, again, I would be very surprised if he plays again this year, not necessarily because of the injury, but more because he doesn't have a role on the roster anymore. Uh, maybe once rosters expand in September, there's a spot for him, but he doesn't have any options remaining. He can't be set down. He was horrible to start the year, showed a little bit signs of life before he got hurt, but Willie Castro has just come up and fully taken the Nick Gordon role away from him. Yeah. That being said though, Willie Castro had a gray one oblique, which is, you know, three to four yeah. week injury. So if it turns out that Castro is not ready come late September, that might be Nick Gordon's spot. Yeah. Where maybe there's a role for him this September. I'd be pretty surprised if he's on the team after this year because of that, mm-hmm. uh, where Willie Castro has taken that super utility role from him. Right. And he's a much better defender than Nick Gordon. Nick Gordon was a passable defender at a few positions and then uh, had a weird breakout offensive season. Willie Castro is a great defender at multiple positions who is an average hitter, which is fine for your utility guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, knock on all the wood that is currently available, <laughs> but the twins are very close to being fully healthy for the first time offensively, uh, maybe since like two weeks in June. And so um, basically – at this point, offensively, you're waiting for Kirilov and you're waiting for Buxton. Yeah. And it sounds like Kirilov is close. It sounds like Buxton is relatively close. And so it seems like whenever guys get healthy, there's another injury that just takes a guy out, like Willie Castro getting hurt and Royce Lewis uh, getting called up for him. So hopefully that doesn't happen again. Because for the love of God, get Joey Gallo off my team. And Dallas Keuchel while we're at it. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I don't think Kirloff or Buxton are going to affect that decision. Yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. Uh- <laughs> All right, quick look ahead to next week. Uh, they have two at Milwaukee, and then they're back home for four against Texas. Uh, the Twins have been playing to the level of their competition pretty much for the entire second half of the season. We'll see if that happens the other way this week, where, like we said, this is kind of their toughest week that they have remaining. And so yeah. it'll be a good uh, good test against two teams that are pretty different. In uh, Milwaukee, who can pitch and can't hit, and Texas, who can hit and can't pitch. <laughs> I guess that's one way to characterize them. But um, yeah, the, that Texas, the, so that Texas series is going to be very interesting uh, because a, it's the most challenging opponent we have left, but also it, it, like you know, knock on wood, it might be a preview of what a playoff series might yeah. look like, and uh, seeing how the Twins respond in those. Uh, in those uh, situations will be really important to see. Yeah. I, I think if I'm the twins, a team like Texas, who has been very, very good, one of the best teams in baseball this year, but they're the type of matchup that I'd prefer over someone like Seattle or even uh, Houston for that matter, mm-hmm. where they have some okay pitchers, but they're not great, right? They're relying on John Gray 
I think is their number one starter right now. Well, it's uh, Max with, Oh yeah, Max Scherzer. Forgot the trade for him, but he has been okay, not great. Right. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, it, it's Scherzer, it's Gray, Degrom is hurt, Evaldi's hurt, and so you know they're a little bit thin on those front lines. Yep. And I think given the state of the Twins' pitching versus their hitting, I'll take some worse starters and better offense because the Twins' pitching has shown the ability to shut down some very good offenses, like Atlanta a few weeks ago. Right. Uh, the only trouble here is that their uh, their big trade deadline pitcher other than Max Scherzer was uh, lefty Jordan Montgomery. Oh, no. Uh, so you, you could already pencil that in as a loss, apparently. So, uh, no, we, we do face Jordan Montgomery in, the I think, the last game of the series. That's I think, When yeah. Dallas Keuchel is scheduled to pitch, and he'll surely take a perfect game into the seventh once again, and the Twins will be fine. Yeah, exactly. Nothing to worry about. Uh, so, yeah, that's, All right. that'll be good. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, once again, be sure to follow the podcast on your podcast platform of choice, where uh, wherever you can get your podcasts. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate all the reviews if you leave those as well. Uh, and if you want to check out our other work, you can check uh, us out at Twinkie Town covering all the games, some good insight over there. And you can check out John at Pitcher List for all your fantasy baseball needs. John, do you have a uh, fantasy tip of the week for this week? Uh, if you need a two-start pitcher, Paul Blackburn. Uh, of Oakland, which is, you know, a dicey pick if you're in a wins league. But he goes up against, uh, you know, our good friends, the Kansas City Royals and the Chicago White Sox. So uh, both those might be wins, even if you're Oakland. Uh, Paul Blackburn, who I just always think in my head is Nick Blackburn. And so yeah. like they, they're kind of stylistically pretty similar pitchers, ironically. But. Yeah, Blackburn does get a lot of strikeouts, though. So there's that. Well, there you go. So maybe not. <laughs> um, maybe it's just too conflated in my head. Where I'm like, Blackburn, ground balls. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, you're not. It's it's also confusing because Nick Blackburn and Paul Blackburn, like, you know, four letter first names and then obviously the same last yeah, name. Yeah, so. exactly. We talked about, uh, who was it last week? There was some other pitcher where it's like most famous for not being the more famous pitcher that you think of when you hear the name. But, oh, that's right. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow John at the John Ka. You can follow myself at Ben Jones underscore five. That is twitter.com or x.com, depending on your uh, choice of uh, URL. You can follow the pod at Twins Talk Pod. And if you like what you heard, again, please make sure to give us a review. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about uh, some more twins. 